as God intended. Let's go. Welcome to Looking for Healing Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine. My name is Nicola Burnett, and I thank you so much for joining me on this lovely Tuesday. I am super grateful for having the opportunity to share and educate and expand the minds of others around this topic of natural healing that has always been available to us, but has seemingly gotten lost as the primary modality of healing. Okay, so today I would like to share my story, my experience of how I got into natural medicine and natural healing. You know, I have a funny feeling there's going to be maybe a few, maybe many listeners that will be able to relate to a few aspects of what I'm going to share of my story. I'm going to put a disclaimer in here. It includes, as in my story, a fair amount of mysticism, mystery, and magic but not the bad kind. All right. So all of my life, health and fitness has always been a natural interest of mine. I think I really started focusing in high school on health and fitness. Uh, I remember doing ab squats or not squats, ab crunches in the morning before I went to school I was always reading articles about healthy food and healthy eating and and trying to accommodate that as best as I could. So it was just always a natural interest for me. And then when I got into later in high school, um, I joined the swim team. And after high school, I got into bodybuilding. So I always did my best to eat healthy or at least what I thought was healthy, reading articles, uh, just, just again, a natural interest. And so I got this job. I think it was my one of my first jobs. Uh, it was a place called Gloria Marshall. And it was one of those places in the mall where you go and, and lose weight really fast. Um, and while I was there, I met a registered dietitian. The company had hired a registered dietitian to come in and to teach classes and give tips and pointers and and create kind of a support group uh, for the ladies who would attend this facility. And I will never forget the day she walked in the door. It was like God walked in the door. She was classy and elegant and stunning and just magnificent. And you could tell she was smart as a whip. And I was just speechless when I saw this woman. And she came up to me and I was working behind the counter and she introduced herself. And she said, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm the registered dietitian that the company hired. And what's so funny to me now is when I think back, my response to her was, a dia what? didn't even know what a dietitian was. I'd never heard that term before. So I asked her what that was, and she explained and told me um, what she does for a living. And I 
remember my next response was jaw to the floor. And I looked at her and said, you mean I could make a living doing this? Talking about health and fitness, I just considered it always a hobby. And she said, oh, absolutely. There's great need for all kinds of things in all kinds of industries um, in regards to health. So that started me off um, on my journey to seek out a university that had a program for becoming a dietitian. And uh, I applied to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I didn't make it the first time. I applied again, got in. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I was just enamored by this woman and I just knew I wanted to have what she had and be how she was. And so when I got into school, you know, they tell you what classes to take and you just, you know, jump through the hoops and you do what they tell you so you can get the piece of paper that says you have a degree. So I started my schooling and what I did not realize was a major as a dietitian is so incredibly challenging and so incredibly technical. It's really all of the students that wanted to go into med school would typically do a pre-med major of uh, nutritional science that was very common. Um, And it was a degree that was literally you lived in the lab from the first day I walked in to the last day I walked out. I was never not in a lab. And I did not anticipate that. And had I known that, that probably would have scared the crap out of me and I would have never pursued it to begin with. But I'm so glad I did. And I'll share a little bit more about why when I get to the end of the story. So I went to school, got my degree, got out, had to take my test, my national test requirements and all of the things. And then I had to go in to do an internship where basically you have to work for a year uh, on your dime and make no money. <laughs> so I got through all of that and I got into my first job, which was in a hospital. And when I got into the hospital and started doing all the things uh, that they have dietitians do, I realized it was the grandest waste of my time as a human. <laughs> it was a lot of silly things like uh, dealing with complaints about the food. And by the way, I'll just throw in here, registered dietitians are strictly, how shall I say, forbidden or not allowed or absolutely not invited to have any input or any say whatsoever about food that is served in a hospital setting. All of that is determined with money. It's all about contracts and money and negotiation. So they never wanted to hear anything about anything we had to say about the food. And if we even opened our mouth to utter three words, uh, we were stopped immediately. That was a place we were not allowed to go. So just so all of you listeners out there know that. And let's see, the other things that I would do is a lot of paperwork and pushing paperwork and charting uh, and reviewing labs, reviewing charts, uh, talking to obviously the patients, and then obviously making our recommendations. 
uh, doing things for TPNs, which is total parenteral nutrition when somebody uh, cannot eat um, through the normal oral tract, the GI tract, or tube feedings. So that was most of what I did. And I just felt so trapped in this industry because we really had no freedom. You got in there and you were told exactly what to do and how to do it. So for example, if there were tube feedings, you had to use the tube feedings that the hospitals negotiated contracts for. You didn't get to pick another one or suggest one. You just had to use what was given to you. So it took me all of about nine months to figure out that in this setting, there was no health and there was no healing. And so I thought, man, I am determined to find the health and the healing in this industry. That's what I got into it for. That's what I want to do. And so I worked every floor that you could possibly work, everything from NICU to trauma to ICU to med surge, uh, everything, every floor I, I could get my hands on, OBGYN, everything, trying to find the health and trying to find the healing. And after it took me about nine months, I figured out there wasn't any that didn't exist in this environment. So then I got out of the hospital environment, still determined, still believing it was out there in the system. And I went to work for a rehab facility. And I worked with a physiatrist, and that is a doctor who specializes in rehab medicine. And I can't say it was much better there. It was really just uh, pretty much the same situation. And I had this two experiences I had uh, that really just hmm, chapped my hide, if you will, um, or really just got me to a point where I just had to leave. I just had to leave this entire industry. One of the experiences was I was at a rehab facility and I was walking down the hallway to go visit uh, a patient. I had my notes. I had the chart. I was kind of walking and looking down at the same time. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught the sight of blood on the ground. And I just kept walking because it was a drop of blood. Okay, I work in a hospital, not a big deal. And then there was another and then there was another, and it was almost like an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm still looking down, preparing my notes, reading some things. And, and then all of a sudden, after seeing this trail of blood, I looked up and what I saw just horrified me. Standing in front of me was a patient, elderly patient, pretty skinny, skin and bones, and he was standing with a physical therapist on either side, helping him walk, kind of holding him up, helping him balance. And hanging off of his right glute cheek was something that looked like a mix of flesh, blood, and a screen door, a mesh screen. And it was a square. It was like a flap, like something you would cut out. And clearly, he had some issues with, with wounds in, in his behind, in his bottom. And they tried to do a, I think it's called a, a 
ruin a flap and rue or something like that um, where they they took a graph of skin from his thigh and tried to grow new skin over his right glute and they kind of had it meshed in there with a screen well clearly it didn't take <laughs> and it looked like the entire flap fell off and and the flap was hanging from underneath his glute cheek down to the back of his knee and it was just uh gosh it was just wrong it's one word that comes to mind it was vulgar and i just remember the word that came to me is that's not surgery that's mutilation and that was one of my experiences that just shocked me to my core uh, got me to a point where I was like, wow, I, I can't keep participating in this. And I had another experience with an endocrinologist. I had gone to a health fair. I had done a little DEXA scan and I was told I had the bones of a 70-year-old. And at this point, I was in my early 20s. So this was very concerning to me. So I ended up finding an endocrinologist. And at that time in the city that I lived in, there was very few. And every time I went to this endocrinologist, I had to take a day off of work. It was a half day to get in to see this particular individual. I sat in the waiting room, no joke, two to three hours in order to get in to see this person. And this person spent all of about six to eight minutes with me. And after working with this person for about a year, a little bit more than a year, we got a blood panel back yet again. And yet again, nothing had changed. Now, I had done a bunch of research earlier, and I just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had pretty strong intuition. And I had put a couple things together, and most of what I put together had come from hunches in my intuition. And I figured out that the birth control that I was taking had something to do with the issues I was having with, with my bones. And so I went in to speak with her and I was all excited and I did all this research and I had all these notes, pages and pages of notes thinking, God, she would appreciate this and be so happy and it would be so helpful to her and helpful to me. And I came in and I chatted with her and I said, well, so here's what I think is going on. I've been seeing you for a little over a year. I'm really, we're not really not seeing any, any changes. I think I put something together. I was really excited. I shared it with her. I thought she would just be you know, gloriously happy with me. And instead, she looked at me with this anger and ferocity that I just was shocked. She took one look at me and said, well, you're just going to have to talk to your, you know, whatever my primary physician was about that, or go back to my gynecologist, I think it was my OBGYN, and talk to them about that. Really nasty enraged, angry. She flipped around on her heels and just marched out of the room and shut the door. I was baffled by this. Just baffled. I, I was like, what just happened? What just happened? And then all of a sudden, her uh, physician's assistant came kind of creeping into the room looking terrified, like I was some kind of a monster. She didn't want to get near me. She barely came in the door and stood seven feet away and just said, um, I'm not sure what's going on, but I 
I, she sent me in here. Can I help you with something? And I was just like, what? And so I went through the whole spiel, shared all the information with her, went through it and said, I think I put all this together, figured some things out. And she just shook her head. She's like, I, I don't know anything about about the, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I Let me go talk to the doctor. And she just got out of the room immediately. And the next thing I know, somebody came in, maybe from the front desk and said, oh, the doctor's moved on. They, you know, they're done with your visit. You'll have to book another appointment. Next thing I know, I go home within 48 hours. I have a dear patient, you're fired letter. And yep, you guys, doctors can fire patients in case you didn't know that. So I got one of those letters and I remember I stood in my kitchen and I remember I started crying because I was like, oh my God, where am I going to go? I need help. And then it turned into this bizarre laughter. And I don't know what took over me, but something took over me. And in that moment, I just proclaimed to the universe, proclaimed to God, proclaimed everything, every living thing on the planet, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I need help. I don't know where to turn, but I know one thing. I am done with this system. I am done with this system. And at that point, I left. I left in every way, shape, and form. I left my job. I canceled my health insurance. I left because energetically, I decided that I could not have anything to do with a system that just seemed to participate in mutilation and poisoning people for a living. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades. Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at COFIXRX.com.
Okay. Hello, everybody in the listening audience. Nicola Burnett here, looking for Healing Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine. So I'm going to finish that story, pick up where I left off. And before I do, remember my disclaimer that this story includes a fair amount of mysticism, mystery, and magic. So now we're going to get into that piece of it. I was one of those people. Sometimes you hear about them. I went to bed one night. I woke up the next day. Nothing strange happened during the night. And for lack of a better word, I found myself to be bizarrely psychic. <laughs> I don't, not really a big fan of that word, but I'm not sure what else to use to describe. Now, what does that mean? I just woke up, took my normal shower, got dressed, came downstairs, and I started seeing a couple walking down my driveway. And it was clear to me, I got the intuitive sense that they had passed on and they were in a type of clothing that indicated they were from an era, uh, from the time of uh, like the Scarlet Letter, whenever that book was written. And I would see this over and over and over. It wouldn't stop. It was probably hundreds of times a day. It got to the point where I felt a little bit nuts and I had to close my blinds. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know why it was happening, but I got inundated with all kinds of experiences where my other types of senses, other than the normal ones, were crazy, crazy hyperactive and turned on. I had another experience where I would constantly get messages from either relatives who had passed away or guides. They would come to me. Uh, most of this happened in the night, but sometimes during the day, I would just have a sense of a, a presence and a being, and I would be able to sense it's a female, it's a male, it's a grandmother, uh, it's a teacher, it's a guide. And they would tell me things about people. You need to call so-and-so and tell them this. And sometimes it was people that I got messages for that I hadn't spoken to in a decade, in eight years. And I would call them and say, hey, this is Nicola. I, I know I haven't talked to you in a decade. This may sound really strange, but your grandmother came to me and told me, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they would just <gasps> on the other end of the line. How did you know that? How did you, nobody knew this? Or how did they know that I wrote that letter and I put it upstairs in the attic under the pink dress or whatever it was? It was, it was very interesting. <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit upsetting, actually, because these things were constant. They were constant all the time. I would see events before they happened. I remember getting up in the morning with my husband at the time. 
and we had coffee, breakfast, whatever it was that we did in the morning. And I remember seeing an accident and where the accident was going to be in the approximate time. And I remember practically begging him, please don't go, please don't go, please don't go, please stay, please take a different route, uh, things of that nature. And and just to kind of calm me down, he did. I think he stayed around for another 45 minutes in the morning uh, before he left. And, and sure enough, found out that there was an accident in in the place that I I had witnessed. I had another experience. There was just so many of them. They just were constant and didn't stop. But I had another experience where I was in a public place. And this is at my home, actually. We at this time we had just moved in. My husband and I had bought a new home. And we had just moved into the neighborhood. And we were probably like one of the first ones to move in. So as soon as they finished a home, they released it. And then we were able to move in. But they were building and doing construction all over the neighborhood and every other home. I think we were the first ones to move in. So we moved into the home. And even after we moved in, there was still some things that needed to be done, some touch up and some painting and a few things. So the neighborhood was crawling with crews of people who were doing construction, you know, painters and electricians and trucks and people moving refrigerators in and installing sinks and whatnot. And I remember seeing a man walk down my driveway. And something struck me as very odd about this man walking down the driveway. And at the time I was on the phone with my husband and I had a portable phone and I'm watching this man walk down the driveway. He was an attractive man, good looking man. He looked like he was dressed to go on a first date a little dressy casual. So he stuck out like a sore thumb because everybody else was in overalls or uniforms or painting uniform. Uh, Everybody had a construction type of, of outfit on and they were running around with tool belts and ladders and all kinds of things. And so it just struck me as odd. And I, I said to my husband, I said, you know, keep talking to me. I'm on the portable phone. There's a very weird, there's a man walking down the driveway and he doesn't belong here. I remember saying that. And I walked outside and I started to approach him, but I was behind him. And he started walking up. I At that time, I had a garage with a casita built above and they were uh, building a pool in the backyard. And so as I was coming out of my house, I saw I was again behind him and he went to the base of the stairs before he walked up to the casita, kind of leaned over, looked at the pool, looked at the, you know, what was going on in that area, and then started walking up the stairs. So I I got right behind him and I was going up the stairs and I finally caught up to him at the top of the stairs. And right as he turned the corner, there was kind of an open patio. And then there was uh, French doors that went into a casita. I 
turned around the corner and I was probably half a second behind him. And I wanted to tap him on the shoulder and say, excuse me. And so as I turned the corner and I started to say, excuse me, sir, he vanished. He vanished. He was not there. And I turned the corner and just froze for a minute because my brain was telling me, you you were reaching out to touch his shoulder. That's how close you were. And he's vanished. He's gone. There was nowhere to go. It was a second story. The French doors were locked, so he actually couldn't go into the casita. And other than jump off a second story, which I would have seen him swing his leg over and, you know, and jump, there was nowhere to go. And I just lost it. And I mean, lost it. I started screaming at the top of my lungs. I remember a lot of profanities coming out. I still had the phone in my hand. So my husband, quote, witnessed the entire thing, not with his eyes, but he he heard. And I ran down those stairs. I think I ran down those stairs. All those stairs took me maybe half a second. I think I jumped the entire stairwell. I came running down the driveway and there was a crew that was painting a wall there. And I heard me screaming and they turned around and I ran up to them and I started screaming, where is the man? Where is the man? And I started describing him. You saw him. He walked down the driveway. He walked right by all of you. I was just screaming and they were terrified because I thought, I guess I thought I was nuts. And I remember the one guy, he didn't speak the greatest English. And he just said, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't see a man in a tan shirt with, you know, buttons, whatever, you know, whatever the description was. And he's shaking his head and he's kind of backing away and his eyes were as big as an owl. And they were all just standing there looking at me. And I was just hysterical. And I kept screaming to my husband. My husband was saying to me, like, what is going on? Are you okay? Talk to me, talk to me. And I'm like, the man, the man that was here, he's gone. He vanished. What the F? I, mean, I was just hysterical. So um, they, the crew called over a, a, like a manager from the, the a company. I don't know who the company was. It was building the homes. I think it was Pulte Homes. And they came over and they calmed me down and they you know, offered me water and they said, just breathe. And what did the man look like? And all these questions. And I just kept insisting. I just needed somebody else to tell me they saw this man because I just felt like I was going nuts. Months later it was very, very interesting. Uh, I was home cooking. It was in the middle of the afternoon. I heard a bunch of ruckus outside. I go outside and there was probably 20 cop cars. There was SWAT. There was DEA. I mean, it, it was the whole street was blocked off. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but I just locked myself in the house, called my husband. He wasn't there, told him what was going on, just kind of watched out the windows. And after some time, you know, they they broke up and they left and they I saw the cop cars driving away and people were getting in their vehicles and it, you know, whatever was happening, it looked like it was over. And I went back into the kitchen, then all of a sudden I heard talking and I came outside 
and there were three cops in my driveway and they had a backpack and they were opened the backpack and they were pulling things out, multiple fake IDs, multiple types of guns, uh, handbooks on how to make uh, street drugs, all kinds of things in there. And I, I just stood at my front door and I just didn't know exactly what to do. And I looked over and I said, hello. And they said, oh, hello, ma'am. And I said, can I approach? And yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I walked over and uh, they were kind of filling me in what was going on. And they said, hey, would you mind uh, looking at a couple mug shots or, you know, they had this book of all these pictures and, you know, do you see if you recognize anybody? And so I was looking in the book and the, the man that had appeared and vanished that nobody else saw in a public setting, uh, his picture was in that book. And it was just, that I, I just pointed, I said, that man, that man, I know that man, I've seen that man. So to this day, I really don't understand what happened. I know that a man was there. I know there was many people around. I know that he vanished into thin air. So uh, it was lots of things like this that happened. So my psychic abilities just started expanding and expanding and expanding. And uh, I felt very uncomfortable about this. It was very upsetting. Uh, My husband ended up leaving the relationship and I found out nine months later it had a lot to do with this. Uh, And I didn't know that. Uh, It kind of freaked him out, all the things that I was seeing and experiencing. And so it was a very devastating time for me. And I didn't speak to anybody and I kind of locked myself away literally in a closet for a solid year. And then one day I went to uh, work at a facility. I was just a a per diem at the time. And uh, I sat with a social worker. Social worker approached me. We had become friendly. Uh, I don't know what happened with the conversation, but something, oh, she was telling me about how she used to go ghost busting in the city with another psychic. And She told me a little bit about that, which made me comfortable to start to share with her a little bit about what had been going on with me over the past year. So I started sharing my story and she said, oh, honey, she said, this is great. It's a skill. It's a talent. Don't let it scare you. Uh, Everybody feels like they're going crazy when these types of, you know, psychic capacities open up or start. Uh, you'll get used to it. You'll eventually use it to your advantage. It, it's a great gift. So, you know, don't don't worry about it. And I thought, okay, well, that gave me some confirmation. It made me feel a lot better. And I kind of started to relax a little bit into it. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
the liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Looking for Healing Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine. This is Nicola Burnett. And I'm going to finish off the story. So I left off and I had alluded to the fact that uh, in that year of this experience of waking up one day and having interesting psychic abilities, uh, my husband ended up divorcing me. (laughs) And we had our fair share of issues and problems come to find out nine months later, a big part of why he left was because of these things that were happening to me. It seemed to spook him. So at the time, I, my husband and I had a company. I was helping him run the company. And when he decided to file for a divorce, I was out of a job. So while all this was going on, there was a divorce going on. And I decided to start my own business. So I did start my own business. I took some consulting jobs. I had some private clients. It it just kind of piecemealed together over the year. But going back to what I had mentioned with the uh, social worker that I had met and what she had shared with me about her ghost busting experience, I started to get a little more comfortable with this new skill set, for lack of a better word, or description. And I shared a little bit about this with a friend. And the friend shared with me, said, hey, 
if you feel really uncomfortable about this or don't know how to speak about this or don't know how to approach this or share this with people, she suggested that I uh, get a apply for a volunteer position at our local cancer center that had just opened up in, in my town. And this was that the, the cancer center was a place that was about everything but Western medicine. So they had support groups and singing bowls and yoga and uh, Reiki and all, all things of that nature. So is that anything that wasn't Western medicine? I was a little bit more emotionally and spiritually supportive. So this place had just opened up and I had recently just got certified in Reiki. So I went and applied to be a volunteer uh, to do Reiki with people. And she was very happy about that and I got accepted and so I, they started scheduling me for Reiki sessions. Well, in a facility like this, they are not allowed to give you any information. And their motto was that they were there for people that were, quote, touched by cancer. So what that meant was the people that came there didn't necessarily have cancer. They might have a friend who has cancer, or they might be a caregiver for somebody who has cancer. Or maybe they had dealt with somebody earlier who had cancer and they were still in the aftermath of processing all of that, but they did not have cancer themselves. So the only information that was shared with me when I went to do a hour Reiki session was the person's first name, nothing else, nothing about their medical history, nothing about anything. It was Nicola meet Sarah, Sarah meet Nicola, and she'll walk you back to the room. And that was it. So I really had no idea what I was dealing with when I did one of these sessions with people. So I would just take them back to the private room. They would lie down on a massage table. We'd cover them up with blankets, pillows, get them comfortable. And I would start doing my thing. And what it turned out that I was really doing was readings, not really Reiki, although Reiki was a part of it. I would just instantly start getting information. I could look inside the body. I could see things. I started to be able to identify very easily who had cancer on the table, who didn't have cancer, um, all kinds of interesting things. And I would see why what people were dealing with, maybe if I could see that they did have cancer and it would show up in the body as black, it was always the color black. Sometimes it would be look like smoke uh, floating out of the body or floating around the body. And sometimes it was dense and black inside the body. So when I would see these things, I would also get a lot of information just psychically transmitted to me an understanding and knowingness about why it was there. So I ended up sharing a lot of information with people about what I was seeing and why, you know, if I did see cancer, why it was there, but also getting information about what to do to help people release it. And so I started to become a very popular practitioner. 
And people started requesting me and they'd have one session and they wanted to come back and, you know, request me again and request me again. And I could also tell things of the nature if somebody was in the process of starting to lose their life force or or passing away. I could see very, very clearly how much life force they had left and how much time they had left. And I was able to determine that within always, precisely within 24 hours. Now, I didn't share that with people when I saw that. I would just keep that information to myself, but I would share with them, you know, that I see their degree of sickness and um, things of that nature. So, as I did this, and this was a volunteer position, as I mentioned, so there was no payment. And it was really a beautiful experience because it allowed me to get comfortable with this new abilities, the skill set in a way where it was my own personal time. I was donating the time. Nobody was out anything. Um, I was volunteering, you know, they didn't pay anything. So that felt like a really comfortable environment for me to explore this, uh, you know, these gifts and talents, this skill set in a way where I got very comfortable, but also it was a lot of confirmation for me that this was okay. And this was a good thing. And more so that it was helping. It was very helpful to people. And I knew that because they kept coming back and requesting me and really wanted to pick up where they left off with me in their first session. So this went on for some time. And how does this translate into working in natural medicine and what I do now? Well, my business was growing, my my private consulting business with the helping people with diet and nutrition and detoxing, et cetera. I was expanding and growing and building. And I started to have experiences where, case in point, I had a client who was coming over at nine o'clock uh, for, for a session. And at 8.30, I would check in with the client, if you would, if you will, psychically. And one time I was checking in with a client and her son blew into my space and and her son was healthy and alive. And he came into my space and he said, please, please help my mom, help my mom. I'm sick. And my mom's really upset and distressed and she doesn't know what to do to help me. And then he started telling me all of his symptoms and pointing like this hurts and my stomach hurts and I hurt here and I, I feel really hot here. <clears throat> and I could see him and I could literally see him. And he was pointing all these things out and giving me very precise, accurate descriptions. So by the time she came to the door that morning, I didn't even think I said hello to her. I just opened the door and I said, your son, he's not well. He's sick. He's been sick for 10 days. You're very distressed about this. Here's what's going on in his body. And I just started repeating all the things that he had shown me. And I was pointing to areas of my body. This hurts. This doesn't feel good here. This feels hot. And her jaw just dropped to the floor. And she said, how do you know this? How, how, like, how do you know this? And I said, he came to me. He came to me. He showed me, he told me, he asked me to help him. He said, you know, my mom trusts you 
you know, please talk to her and help her help me. And so I did. I started talking about natural remedies and why don't we try this and, you know, try this oil to to bring the fever down and, you know, use the color lamp and put this color on him. It'll reduce the fever and, you know, all the different suggestions. And she went home and did all the things and they, they worked beautifully. So I started incorporating this uh, type of process into my sessions with my clients. And I just started to get really good feedback, confirmation, really good results. And then it turned into, what is this? What are you doing? How do you know this? And it just morphed and developed and it turned into doing readings. And I started to actually offer a service of doing readings. And I didn't really understand what I was doing. I just, you know, I just, somebody would lie down on a massage table. I would just get guided. I would start at their feet. I'd hover my hands over their body. I'd kind of walk up the body. And within an hour, I could just go through the body and talk about all kinds of things. Could be a past life, uh, that, that, you know, energy trauma that got pulled over into this life. I could see organ systems. I could see problems they were having in the organ systems. I could see trapped emotions, all kinds of things. And one day I just asked, <laughs> I said, what am I doing? Asked as in psychically to my, my guides, uh, my, my teachers, what is this that I'm doing? How do I tell people about this? What do I call it? How do I offer it? And they, they said, you do medical intuitive life readings. And I'd never heard that ever in my life. But I went, okay, that's what I'll call it. So um, this became a thing. And for the next 17 years, I did a lot of readings on a lot of people and they found it incredibly helpful and they were so grateful. And so this type of thing just started getting incorporated into all the other things that I was doing and it became very natural and it became very organic. And when I would get this information or data about a client, about what was going on in their space, I would just ask permission, even if it wasn't in a reading, it might've been a discussion about nutrition or detoxing practice or something. And I would ask permission if I could share some things. And every time I shared, it just only brought benefit to the client. And they would always tell me how much it helped them. And remember when you said this and you told me this and it just changed everything for me and it gave me confirmation and it gave me the confidence to move forward and do what I had to do. And it just helped them so much from more of an emotional, spiritual standpoint. And so that is a little bit about the background of my history, about how I got into natural medicine and the different aspects and the combination of them and how I do what I do and why I love what I do. I would like to take a moment to bless Western medicine. I am so thankful for my experience that I had working the nine, 10 years in Western medicine. And the reason for that is when I look back, it taught me so much about what I don't want, which was so helpful in bringing to light what it is that I do want. You know, we live in a world of duality. 
And you have to know both sides in order to be able to get clear. I had a boyfriend in college and the whole time I was dating this man, I was asking myself, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. What am I doing with this guy? And he was one of the most valuable relationships I ever had because he taught me so much about what I don't want. And I didn't even realize at the tender young age of 20 years old that that was something that I needed to learn. So Western medicine has played that role in my life. And I also think it's very interesting when I look back that the first experience I had in the world of health and healing officially, shall we say, meaning the first job I had when I graduated from college was working in Western medicine. So that was a wonderful teacher for me. And as I was working in Western medicine, I would always say, gosh, if I had a center or if I was a doctor or if I, uh, you know, treated people in some capacity, uh, I, I, I would never do this. I would do this. And someday if I have a center, I would do it like this and I wouldn't do this. And I would say that a lot. For example, one of the things that I really disliked about Western medicine, my experience was no matter who I went to go see, uh, basic family physician or an endocrinologist or whoever it might have been, you, know, you get about eight minutes tops at best. And there's no connection, there's no contact, there's no intimacy, there's 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 no real opportunity to create any kind of a relationship. And I don't necessarily blame the physicians. They're kind of stuck in a structure that has certain requirements and demands on them. They need to see, you know, so many people in a day and and so forth. Um, however, it it really, in my opinion, does not allow for real healing. So after saying that over a decade or so of if I had my center, if I opened a center, if I had a healing center, I would do this. Well, beware of what you ask for. <laughs> because that ended up happening. So I am the owner proprietor of Back to Balance Functional Wellness Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I, my favorite part about having the center is I get to do it my way. And the most important thing to me with healing is creating intimate relationships with clients and incorporating a mind-body-spirit approach. And to me, mind-body-spirit approach really means where science meets spirit, right? It's a half-and-half half deal, and that's what creates a mind-body-spirit approach, which creates a complete healing or a whole healing or a holistic healing. So we specialize in personalized nutrition programs based on whole-body scan results, heavy and deep detoxification, and, and many, many other services. I don't do uh, the medical intuitive life readings anymore, as I used to. However, once 
you have a skill set like that or a practice, it's it's like a, you know, it's like a muscle when you use that and exercise it, it just kind of gets woven into the fabric of how I am. And so all throughout working with my clients, that's something that comes up and comes through all the time, constantly. It's not something that I can turn off. And if you'd like to find out more about the show and latest podcasts, you can go to the menu nav bar at America Out Loud under our shows or schedule and see all of the uh, podcasts as they come up weekly. I thank you for spending the hour with me and do hope that you're leaving this podcast feeling inspired and, and entertained. And join us next week to learn more about real healing healing that provides permanence with health issues, how real healing works and why and how it works and what it looks like to experience and receive. So if that sounds interesting to you, we will see you here next week. And until then, blessings and abundance with your health and your life. This is Nicola Burnett signing off of Looking for Healing Radio.